0: SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com.
1: And did you ever think that you'd be watching the NFL on a Wednesday? Here we are. It is the fantasy football season. You can't get your final score in your league. There's still one more game. It's in the afternoon. And I fully thought that we would be headed toward Tuesday night football, go back and watch all the shows on demand. It was met with some cynicism, but nonetheless, here we are. Did I think there'd be a Wednesday game? No, never thought we'd be at that point. But again, your fantasy football season hangs in the balance and maybe even on the arm of Robert Griffin III. Welcome to Fantasy Sports Today. I'm Craig Mish, along with Joe Pizzapia. That's what's in store for us this afternoon, and it certainly will be interesting to see the NFL play on Wednesday. Joe, it feels like a bowl game. It feels like uh, Iowa State and Dayton in the first round in the NCAA tournament. But nonetheless, we can't get our scores and get our final scores and get these websites to populate the standings until this game is over. So later tonight, we'll have our
2: answer, and I'm looking forward to that. (laughs) <laughs> you and me both my friend you and me both 2020 continues to show us just things that we've never seen this will be the first time ever in the history of the nfl that an nfl game has been played every single day of the week because we're going to have saturday games a little bit later on in the year we have sunday obviously monday we've had tuesday already and of course thursday night football so it's unbelievable what's going on it's it's crazy times here and uh, look this is kind of this is where we are right we just got to get that friday night game at some point in time and then we're golden everything's yeah. gonna be great uh but i gotta tell you man it's it's <laughs> look i'm just glad that we're getting this game today i hope the integrity of the game like we talked about yesterday is good i know there's still just because the guys were cleared, they're not going to be active for today and that's ingram and that's jk dobbins so that is a huge factor too so you're down to not only the second string quarterback but also I guess theoretically the third string running back in Gus Edwards, although you can make an argument, he's been as good as the other three. So really you could throw that out the window, I guess, but look, it's going to be afternoon Wednesday football, a little afternoon NFL delight. I love it. You know, me, give me a standalone NFL game and I'm a happy camper, but I understand from a fancy perspective, this one has certainly dragged on. And I think there's a little bit of fatigue from week 12. I think everybody just wants week 12 to be over because week 12 technically started on Thanksgiving. So now we're almost a week in, do week 12? (laughs) I think that's asking a lot of people. In terms of the longest depth of the time, do you have to wait from start to finish results? I've never seen anything like this, and I hope we never will again.
1: We will next week, almost. I I think that (laughs) the, the allure for a lot of people for the NFL is the fact that it always, when we were growing up, it was twice a week. It was Sunday. It wasn't even Sunday night. It was Sunday and it was Monday and that's it. And this isn't me old man yelling at the cloud. I love the fact that they have Sunday night football. Uh, the, the, that's been the best game of the week. I don't love Thursday football, but again, it's here to stay and I'm good with it. But this is downright insane because <laughs> I think we've I think at least for me and I've uh, I've lost that allure because we don't know when the games are. We don't know when they're going to happen. I'll still take this over not having sports. Don't get me wrong. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's more important to have these games than to have nothing. But as soon as this game is over, we immediately have to focus to the weekend for a lot of people's fantasy playoffs who are on the line. And even then, we're not going to know until a week from today if you're in or out, basically, because there's definitely going to be a game on, or probably, I'd say definitely, that's dumb but probably going to be a game on Tuesday night as well. So I get it. I understand it. Uh, we'll talk to Dr. David Chow about it coming up a little bit later. Uh, he seems to allude to the fact that the games kind of have to be played and things could happen in week 18. And with respect to him, I don't agree. I, I think that this thing should have I, I don't think there's would have been anything wrong with with saving, as you mentioned, the integrity of the games. Mm-hmm. We've already lost one. I, like you, that's the most important thing for me today. I am hoping and, and hoping that the Ravens can show up, put on a decent show. I know that it, it won't be a very highly rated game in the afternoon, but put on a decent show just so we could feel like from the integrity from a fantasy standpoint, even though we lost Lamar Jackson and lost the two running backs you mentioned and lost Mark Andrews that the that division isn't going to be decided on the field today in a 41 nothing blowout. It, that's what I'm hoping for. I'm not that optimistic, though, after watching what happened with Denver. I realize RG3, Joe, is a quarterback in the NFL. But <laughs> he is. to me, he did not look great in his little cups of coffee the last couple of years, and he hasn't you know. been a starter since Andrew Luck was in the league. You know, it, It's been a long time. I mean, Kirk Cousins was on Washington after RG three and we're going back here in a very, it's not so, a very
2: long time. This is a very long time for him. And, and look, I, I'm with you. I understand what you're saying in terms of, you know, the NFL used to be a little bit more special because of where it was. And I, and I remember growing up, I'm a little bit younger than you, but I remember growing up with Sunday night football, but it was on ESPN. And it wasn't the stop everything network event that Sunday night football has become and it didn't have the flex schedule. I remember Paul McGuire calling games there and being very entertaining, but it was just kind of like not the throwaway game, but it was usually, oh, it's a, it's a late game and they're putting it on Sunday night on ESPN. And, and that was the field. Now it's like an event on Sunday night and it's kind of ruined Monday night football a little bit. And I understand that too. But look, I, I think Like you said, it's all about the integrity of the game. What does this game look like? Because if we have another episode like this, I think the NFL really has to sit back and say, we have to bite the bullet. We have to go to week 18 for the good of the schedule. But the NFL is that machine that always continues to go on. And that's where it becomes a little bit dicey
1: yeah all right let's get to our headlines real quick before we wrap up this diatribe on today's game we have the steelers and ravens this afternoon three forty eastern sarah fuller expected to take in for vanderbilt this weekend that's really good to see michigan state wins at duke kansas takes down kentucky a warriors delay the start of training camp due to a positive covid test but i think they'll be okay according to what i'm reading christmas day slate in the nba released of course, here in South Florida, they're all upset that the Miami Heat got the noon Eastern game. But the reality is, isn't it going to be great to have the NBA on Christmas? The answer is yes. More fantasy sports today. Is-
0: sportsgrid.com betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24 7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering real-time odds predictive betting models expert picks and more want the edge then get on the grid sportsgrid.com
1: and welcome back to fantasy sports today as we talked about in our first segment here of the show right at the top of the hour of noon Going over the game today in the NFL. First time we'll be on the air all season long with the game a few hours away, but that's kind of where we stand. It looks like it's on as of now. And so we'll be covering it for you live here and post game wise on in game live and some of our shows later today, also on sports grid radio. So make sure you stay on the grid throughout the day. But Joe, from a betting perspective, it's a really interesting one here because uh, it seems to me that this is a very big rivalry game. And so the mm-hmm. odds makers are not really willing to pull a, New Orleans Saints minus 17, I suppose, against Denver. And there really is a big difference between Kendall Hinton and Robert Griffin. I mean, come on. I mean, I'm not, I'm not going to diminish that. But, um, I mean, the only way that I could look in this game is Pittsburgh. I I, I mean, I hate to lay points. In fact, uh, in the Super Contest, all season long, I don't think we've ever laid double digits in any game this season, whether it's mm-hmm. been home or road. It's just, it's, a, it's a losing proposition to be laying points consistently in the NFL. But that being said, let's take a look at it. The line is 10 on the FanDuel Sportsbook. I've seen some 10.5, and and I'm guessing by later today, it's going to be 11. I don't know that it'll go higher than that. Of course, the line was only 4 when it initially came out, which was basically the reverse of what it was a few weeks ago when Pittsburgh was at Baltimore. We saw how that game played out, although it was very close. It could have gone either way. Historically speaking, when these two teams play, Joe, it's close. It's a field goal. It's low scoring. We're talking about 10 years of data here to show but I just mm-hmm. don't know how the Ravens who are going to be just so severely undermanned can stay with the Steelers. I don't even know that they could have stayed with them. This is going to sound crazy. Maybe not with Lamar Jackson, the Ravens mm-hmm. have not played well almost all season <sighs> long. And so I know it's a division game. You throw it all out and we see that all the time. Atlanta will be horrible. They'll play the saints. They'll beat the saints, right? I mean, it happens every year. Carolina plays well in their in uh, division opponent. We saw, Tennessee lose at home to Indianapolis and Indianapolis lose at home to Tennessee. I mean, this is not that much different, but I just can't stomach the fact that they've lost their starting quarterback and their best receiver in Mark Andrews. It's, if I had to lean one way, it would only be Pittsburgh, Joe. It's the only way
2: I could go. No, I'm with you. Uh, And you're right. I mean, when these two teams matched up a few weeks ago, it was a very close game. And you always expect these two rivalries. Everybody gets up for this game. The Steelers do. The Ravens do. And Lamar Jackson has not played as well this year as he did last year. And the Ravens offense as a whole, as a unit, has not been as good. And now you're taking away Lamar Jackson from that unit. You're taking away Mark Ingram from that unit. You're taking away J.K. Dobbins. You're taking away Mark Andrews, probably the best guy that they have in terms of any sort of passing threat. That's a lot. And then you're downgrading to that secondary quarterback. I mean, this just seems like it's going to be a Pittsburgh smash. And, yes, every time things like this pop up and seem like they're too good to be true, they often are. But Usually. we're also talking about it. They are but we're also talking about an undefeated Pittsburgh Steelers team. It's very well coached that I think also has a little bit of a chip on their shoulder from this game, having to be moved as many times as it has. Uh, I think that defense is the other thing to talk about too, is defensively they gave them fits the last time around. I assume they're going to give RG three fits this time around and, I'll put my faith in the coaching of Mike Tomlin. I'll put my faith in the defense of the Pittsburgh Steelers. And I think 10, although double digits and a very large number, I think is comfortable when it starts getting over 10. If this was 16, (laughs) like you were talking about before, like when New Orleans and Denver, then I get a little concerned because then anything can happen. Bounces of the ball, all kinds of stuff. But the 10... A touchdown and a field goal. That sounds about right. I mean, if, if I think you're nuts, if you think there aren't going to be turnovers in this game, that are going to benefit the Pittsburgh Steelers. I just think that would be a shocking development if that was the case. Now, that could always be a special teams moment that Baltimore has. That could always be something you don't account for. Yes, but this Pittsburgh Steeler offense has run really well this year. It really hasn't hit many hiccups at all. They haven't been running the football as much, and Connor's not going to be in there for this game, but Benny Snell's carried that load before. And I think he's a capable running back. And I think that's why they've chosen so carefully over the years. So to make sure that they've got him, they've got Samuels, they've got uh, McFarlane, who they drafted, they have some depth at the running back position. So they didn't have to rely on that one guy to carry them. And I think that was uh, the right thing to do in retrospect and look Roethlisberger we talked about yesterday probably the unsung hero this year at the NFL coming off an injury taking a team right now to an undefeated record here and we're sitting in week 12 and he's not getting any looks for MVP he's not going to probably win comeback player of the year but who knows at the end of the day it's all about Super Bowls in Pittsburgh so maybe that's the only hardware that really matters but I think that Tomlin and everybody's gonna be ready and I think they understand that this is their chance to kind of stomp out the Ravens because if the Ravens would lose two games here to the Pittsburgh Steelers, then all of a sudden you've got the eight and three. Yes, that's right. The eight and three Cleveland Browns ahead of you in that division. And I think it's really tough for the Ravens to get back in this playoff race.
1: Yeah. I mean, losing, I, I don't, I don't think the Steelers are going to lose to me. It's just more about the spread at this point. I mean, look at this list of, of players that are not going to be playing no, oh, I don't Baltimore think the Steelers are going to lose
2: at all. I don't I don't think that's what I was not saying at yeah. all. The Steelers are not going to lose. I'm saying when the Ravens lose this game, and I'm just saying the Pittsburgh Steelers recognize this is a spot here where you can basically take who was your dreaded opponent going into the season and put them on the outside looking in probably for the rest of the season. And I think that is an yeah, opportunity you up. don't pass up.
1: Yeah, let, let's go back again. I, I want to go back again. Let's take a look at this mm-hmm. list of, of all the players that, that are out here. And, I mean, McPhee is a huge name not playing in this one. I mean, Clayus Campbell's missed a little bit of time. He's been in and out. But uh, McPhee is just a monster on the other side of the field. Um, You know, if you don't have Andrews, then, you know, maybe you have Willie Sneed, and now you don't have Willie Sneed, too. So
2: how about two centers, Craig? How about that? And we talk about that, how important that is, you know. Because it's one thing you could say, well, RG three maybe was working with the second team and the second team center. Okay, fine. No, (laughs) you're down. You've got guys playing out of position. You got guys playing everywhere. It's tough, man. This is a tough sell to not have the Steelers win by ten. It really is.
1: I've never, I've never, since we started the season, gone into a game. Any game this season that I thought it'd be a blowout, this will be the first. I mean, this this honestly is going to be the first all year Chiefs, that Jets I just
2: was the only one to me because those were teams that were just oh, so. Well, good. I mean, yeah, I mean, it was,
1: yeah. Okay. I mean that's fair. I mean, yeah, but but yeah. I no, I I'm was, just trying to think off the top so,
2: of my I'm head. It was friend. Denver this weekend. It was the Jets and Chiefs. There there haven't been last year the way the Patriots were dominant and the Chiefs were down. You remember like the lines were just insane. You had double digit lines. Well, the Dolphins every week, was these the the Dolphins were bad. Uh, Jacksonville at some point had some double digit lines. The Jets had double digit lines against them. That hasn't been nearly the case this year. So I feel like when we see them, we get a little antsy right now. Whereas last year, it seemed like every week there was a 12 and a half. There was a, you know, like a fifteen at one point. It was crazy. It was a 20, right? Yeah. Exactly.
1: Miami was 20 point underdogs in two games last year. Dallas was <sighs> one of them. But, but I, I just, it's just something about, uh, and I know the Ravens are very well coached too. And, and maybe, Something will happen that's crazy. I would love to come back tomorrow and say I was completely wrong, and, and wow, the Ravens showed up and they did a really good job. But the quarterback position, other than maybe who's pitching in a major league baseball game, and you can always bring in a, a bullpen guy now these days. It's a lot different. But the quarterback in in the NFL, in all of sports, is the most important position, win or lose, and. I don't think that the line is being factored enough into this game. You remove, you remove Lamar Jackson, you put in Robert Griffin and he's only a six point difference. I, I don't think so. I, I think that the difference is 10 or 15. I, I, and that's why it's scary. Maybe the line is wrong. Like maybe, like I, I would feel a lot better about Pittsburgh if they were 12 and a half or 13, because then it would tell me, oh yeah, they're going to blow them out. But it still is hovering <laughs> around 10
2: or I 10 think and it's a half. of the here. history. I think it's the history they're building in. And then, and, and, you know, we touched on this yesterday and I know I mentioned it, that this is a really important game for the Ravens. This is basically their season because you're going to fall behind the Cleveland Browns. You're going to fall well behind the Steelers in the division. So you have to have so many things now happen for you in the next couple of weeks. There other teams ahead of you lose. You have to have the Vegas Raiders start to falter more. You have to, you know, have the Cleveland falter this week coming right. up. And I know they've got a tougher matchup against Tennessee. You know, Tennessee and Indianapolis are going to be, you know, going back and forth. And they're of both going to have good records. So you're, you're in a tough spot here in the AFC. You're running out of opportunities. This is not the NFC. Board. It's wide open. You have a definitive tier. Up there in the AFC of the two top teams, and then some other teams that look really good. And I think Baltimore is just this is the worst timing for this to happen to them, and it's unfortunate. And it is the worst opponent for them to possibly have this game happen against too. So I don't give a much chance, to be honest with you. But I hope I'm wrong too. D- did you play any players in tonight's game? In any fantasy? No, I sat them because I, I was I thought this was going to end up week 18. I really did. Yeah. I gave people that Same advice too.
1: Same with the thing. All right, we'll be right back. I'm Benny Riccardi, don't go away
2: Welcome back everybody to fantasy sports today, right here on sports grid and it's Wednesday. And that means it's time for four downs with Benny Ricciardi from fade, the noise Benny. I, I see we're back at the beach house. So life is clearly good for you. I hope you had a nice Thanksgiving, but uh, beach house. Benny is one of my three favorite Bennies, One of which is also gin and tonic Benny, which again, we talked about before. And, uh, and the third one is, is probably winning big money. Uh, DFS and gambling which is what you're very good at because we've all seen this I've spent enough time with you doing these shows over the years even here on this network and I gotta say if people aren't paying attention to what you're saying they're just doing it wrong
3: well that's true and I also really like winning big money Benny he's probably he's probably my number one Benny and it was a good week last week for us, show so that's a good thing here Hopefully we can keep it rolling this week. couple things standing out to me already that we're about to talk about here. So uh, let's move those chains and get down to first down. Uh,
2: I like it. Moving the chains. Let's do it. All right. So let's start with the Saints and the Falcons. The rematch. The second time these two teams are going to square off in just three weeks. Now Taysom Hill is kind of collectively killing a lot of the fantasy value out there for the other players on the team. Uh, Fun stat too. We talked about this on the show the other day, since the NFL merger, no quarterback has gone two games in a row with two rushing touchdowns and zero passing touchdowns. So this is a very strange offense that's rolling in here. And I don't think we really got a good gauge of anything last week because that Denver team, obviously everything's gone completely to crap there. So let's talk about this situation here. Let's talk about what the Falcons are right now, because the Falcons are coming off a big win. The number is three on the Saints side of things. The over-under is 45 and a half. So do you think that more footage getting out on Taysom Hill is actually going to lead to a little bit of an upset here? Or do you think the Saints
3: continue to roll here despite the Drew Brees injury? Yeah, I think the Saints are going to continue to roll here. I mean, you mentioned the first thing you mentioned is the important thing to me. These two teams played two weeks ago. It was 24 to 9, right? Hmm. And really, I think the thing people need to understand is I agree with you. I do not want to play anybody on the New Orleans Saints for a fantasy, with the exception of maybe Taysom Hill. And even Taysom Hill, you're going to have much higher upside quarterbacks that you could roll out there and fan this week if you're looking to do that. But with that being said, it's the way that they're playing football right now. They're basically controlling the clock. The defense is going out there and shutting people down. I looked at this game, my number last week when we talked about this, the Saints were a team I was on. Now, again, with everything that happened and Denver losing right. all their quarterbacks, I mean, we wound up getting amazing value on that minus six that we took early in the week there right. when the line moved all the way to 16. But the point of it was I had them at minus eight, minus eight and a half last week. So maybe I'm just higher on the Saints than Vegas is right now. But so far, being higher on the Saints has me two do a no and take some hill starts. And- <laughs> so until it doesn't work, I'm going to go that way. I thought this game should be closer to a six or a six and a half. So when I saw a minus three and a half, which is what it opened at, it's actually dropped down now to even minus three. I mean, the Saints is the side that I want to be on this one.
2: Yeah. It's also fascinating because the last time these two guys matched up here, you had the Falcons kicking a ton of field goals in this game. And I don't know what they're waiting for. I mean, this is your season. It's over anyway. I mean, you should be out there trying to win games, trying to play spoiler. I don't understand sometimes the conservative nature of the Falcons, but if their defensive front Plays the way they did against Las Vegas last week, against well, the Saints this week. That could be a, a tall order. All right, second down, let's talk about the Colts and Texans. Colts coming off a, a disappointing loss at home, and the Texans, obviously, uh, now without Will Fuller. So now we're going to pivot to Brandon Cooks, to Kiki Q T because Ronald Cobbs went on the shelf, too. So, look, I mean, the Will Fuller season, this was the, the one of the biggest risks in the fantasy season. And if you took it, you got rewarded up until now. Up yeah. until now, you find, you had it. You're looking at it like, man, this guy's a wide receiver, too. He's been awesome. All the touchdowns, everything. Now it's all gone. So I guess here's a question. Basically, min salary on Fanduel, I think QT is like 4800 Cooks you got to pay up for. But Deshaun Watson's playing out of his mind right now. And ever since the Bill O'Brien firing, he's been absolutely lights out. He's one of the top passers in the league. So you tell me, is it time to invest in some of these guys in DFS and even in season long?
3: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the Will Fuller injury or the Will Fuller injury, the Will Fuller steroid situation. It's funny how
2: we fall into the Will Fuller injury. It just rolls off the tongue after so (laughs) many, so
3: many years. Yeah, exactly. You just figured that that was the reason. But yeah, I mean, the PED suspension for him is going to be a huge deal here. But even more of a bigger deal is they're also without Cobb right now because Randall Cobb is on IR. I think at least two more games. I have to double check on that. But I think at least two more games he's not allowed to play. So. Going forward, at least for the next couple of weeks, I mean, it's going to be a lot of brand-new cooks and a lot more of Kiki Kuti than we've seen here. I don't know if you remember this, Joe. It was probably about two years ago, I think, at this point. Mm-hmm. He had a season where he was supposed to kind of break out, never really, had a couple good games. And then he went into a playoff game where they were undermanned, and he had, like, a monster game, like, won somebody a million yeah. dollars. It was, just, it was like a 10-catch game. And then everybody got excited about drafting him last, you know, the beginning of last season, and they did nothing for an entire year, ended up as wide receiver four, which is basically where he's been ever since. But the guy does have some talent. You mentioned $4,800 is the price on him. And here's the way I'm looking at it. Like, you look at his game logs, yeah, he's been getting two or three targets a game, nothing spectacular, nothing that you're going to be all that excited about. But things are going to have to change now. I mean, you look, Deshaun Moss is averaging around third passes a about five of them go to the tight ends that they throw in there. About five more go to the running backs. That leaves us about 20 passes that are going to go to the pass catchers. Mm-hmm. Cooks is probably going to see he, – he had been seeing five to eight. That's probably going to get bumped up to closer to ten. That still leaves ten targets that have to go around to Kiki Kuti and whoever the other wide receiver is because at this point I'm not even sure who the number five is on that team. Well, it could be, be the there.
2: tight ends too. It could be Akins. It could be Fells. I mm-hmm. see. I think that's also the way you can start to look at. Maybe Akins gets a little bump there and maybe he's got some more touchdown equity this week coming into the season, but you're right. Uh, I, I'll tell you what, like you, you've got a spot here with QT where he's got an opportunity again, somehow to prove that he can be relevant. And and QT's kind of been his own worst enemy too, not just because of injury, but he's had a ton of drops. You know, last year he had a ton of drops in big spots. And I think you just can't do that. And then people are going to have faith in you. And, and clearly without Bill O'Brien, This has been a different offense, a little bit more prolific. So we'll see if they're able to capitalize on that. But I kind of agree with you. I think QT is definitely one of these guys in terms of like those bargain basement free square guys that you could just take and then go get yourself DK and Devontae Adams on the same team, that kind of stuff. I love doing it. I did it last week with Mm -hmm. Henry
3: and Chubb and it paid off. Yeah. I mean, the big thing about QT that you got to understand is it doesn't mean that he's guaranteed success, but it's five to seven targets for $4,800. You're not going to find many guys under 5k that you right. can pretty much pencil in for five to seven targets. And that's, that's the, that's the appeal question this
2: week. Yeah. You take the, take the volume, take the price and take the upside and see what happens. All right. Third down here. Let's talk about the dolphins here. Uh, they're going to be hosting the Bengals and the number is 11 and a half. And I understand that we're down to, you know, the third string quarterback or the second, mm-hmm. depending on how you want to think about it with Cincinnati. And I understand that the Miami dolphins have played very well, especially defensively, but Eleven and a half and seems like a big number here to me. And I feel like you kind of feel the same way. I know the over under this game is 41 and a half. So take me through your thought process here, which we assume is going to be Fitzpatrick but at this point. I don't know if Tua is going to be ready. And I don't even know with the schedule, if we should see Tua again, because we're Ooh. talking KC, we're talking Buffalo on the road. We're talking the Patriots. There's a lot of tough coaches, defenses mm-hmm. and, and opposing teams that they've got to play. And I don't know if Tua gives them the best chance to get in the playoff dance.
3: I got to be honest, the Tua and Ryan Fitzpatrick thing, it doesn't really make a difference to me. You know, as somebody who, who kind of looks at the numbers here, I think they're slightly better with Fitzpatrick than they are with Tua, but I don't think it's a major difference. We're talking like maybe a point on the, on the power rankings is where I would go with the two of them. I do have Fitz a little bit better than Tua right now, though. I know some other people are in the opposite camp. I haven't seen enough from Tua to think that that's going to be the case against good defenses. But luckily, this is not a good defense that they been playing here this week. So I don't <laughs> think how, how, how it is. More importantly, though, like you look at the Cincinnati side. I mean, Joe, they're bad right now. Like yeah. Giovanni Bernard, you know, he recovered from the concussion. He played. Didn't really do much last week. Brandon Allen threw for, what was it, 136 yards on 17 of 29 attempts there. And a lot of that came late in the game in kind of garbage time when it didn't really right. matter. They got the T. Higgins touchdown, like. So pretty much for the first, I don't know, 50 minutes of that game, he did absolutely nothing here. So I get why Vegas wants this to be an 11-point spread. I get why FanDuel has this at 11. To me, though, that's just too many points to take with Miami. Miami has won five of their seven games by at least 11 points, so it's not crazy. But to me, I think the better way to play this, Joe, I'm just going to tease this down to like five, five and a half, whatever I can get it at somewhere down there, because I have no doubt in my mind that Miami wins this game. I just don't want to open myself up to exactly what happened with Cincinnati last week against the Giants. I don't want to open myself up to like a backdoor cover where I'm sitting there and, you know, they were winning the whole game and I wind up losing in the last second of the day. So I'm going to tease this down. Miami may win by three touchdowns. If they do, I'll tip my hat for the people that did it. Eleven points for me on the Miami Dodgers. Yeah, a little too much to swallow.
2: Seems like a lot to me, too. So we're in agreement there. All right, fourth down, last one. The Patriots are going to go on the road there. And every single Patriot game this year seems to come down to basically the last couple seconds of the game. And then they're going to be playing the Chargers, who, look, they just they can't seem to close out anybody. So I, I don't know what to think of this one. The Patriots are favored by one. The over-under is 47 going into the week, but I don't know. It's basically a pick em. You tell me, do you think the Patriots can, you know, kind of win two games in a row here? Because they seem like another team that's just very Jekyll and Hyde week to week, especially on the offensive side.
3: Well, I mean, the Patriots won three of the last four, and they've done it with Cam Newton back after the whole COVID scare thing and all that went on. So I think you got to kind of look at them in, in sections based on who was healthy and how they were playing throughout the year. The other thing that's the most important part of this game, you already laid out the whole argument, so I'm not going to say it again, but you missed the most important part of it, right? You have a Chargers team that just knows how to lose close games. You have a Patriots team that knows how to win close games. So this really comes down to coaching. So you have Anthony Lynn on one side against Bill Belichick on the other side. To me, that's easy. I mean, if you're going to look at it that way, if it's going to be a game that comes down to the last couple things that happened, it's going to come down to who makes the right moves on the chessboard and and, and who does it better. And there's literally been nobody better in the history of the NFL. Vince Lombardi fans can argue with me later (laughs) than Bill Belichick, in my opinion. So you're looking at it right now. This is one of the few times where I'm saying, Joe, I'm actually betting on coaches here. I'm betting on Belichick. Yeah. Belichick is going to figure out a way to beat Anthony Lynn, who's gonna figure out a way to open a door wide enough for Belichick to drive a Mack truck through. So there's like three or four different ways that this could go wrong for me, and it's all gonna end up right, because I have that little faith in Anthony Lynn and that much faith in Bill Belichick. This actually opened with the Patriots as like a plus 106 uh, money line. I was all over that when it opened at the beginning. Now it's down to the Patriots as a favorite. They went from plus one and a half to minus one. I think you only have to lay like minus 112. Patriots line or minus one at minus one ten if you can get it all over the Patriots side
2: of this game. He's Benny Ricciardi He's the best in the business, and my good friend. Go follow him on Twitter at Benny R11 and check him out. All his great work and the shows and the writing and everything at Fade the Noise. Benny, thank you for joining us as always from the beach house. Now go out there and get whatever tan you can in New Jersey in December. We're gonna hit a break. We'll be right back with more fantasy sports today. Right after this.
3: game live. I'll tell you
0: what, Cap, I look at the UNLV Alabama game. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24 7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com.
1: All right, if you got the notification from your commissioner in fantasy football saying that waivers were still going to run tonight, well, that's probably a good thing for you. Of course, we still have one more game to be played, so it is a very bizarre waiver wire Wednesday. It'd be actually nice to know who's going to play on Sunday, who's going to play on Monday and (laughs) Tuesday. But those decisions are going to have to be made and made this week. Now, for a lot of you who are watching and have been dedicated to watching our show all season long I get it after this week some of you are not gonna care about waiver wire Wednesday and so this may be the final one that is important to you because (laughs) the fantasy playoffs for probably 90% of the people who play fantasy football uh it's over for you after this week or it continues so we're going to go out with a bang this week and try to get you into the playoff. For those of you who still need the help, <clears throat> Joe, let's start off at the quarterback position and maybe even the tight end position. You talk about slim Pickens this week. My gosh, like there is not a lot to like at quarterback. Why no. are we even starting
2: the quarterback? We should have probably done this <laughs> just, at the I end, I, want, I think here's why we started at quarterback, because – I think you know as you're saying it's okay last people last ditch ever tried to make the playoffs but what about all those people who are in the playoffs and trying to look ahead a little bit and trying to get some insurance policies and I think that's what the waiver wire should be about for y'all and I think if you are sitting back there and resting on the laurels and you're going to get caught napping one of these weeks potentially in the playoffs so go out there and be proactive on the waiver wire This is when you go after some of the handcuff running backs, at least the high-end ones. This is where you might chase a second quarterback that you like the schedule of. And, you know, talking about Kirk Cousins, there's good Kirk Cousins and bad Kirk Cousins. And we've seen both. And sometimes you see both in the same game. But right now in the last few weeks, you're getting good Kirk Cousins. And he's only a roster to 40% of leagues. And I think that's something to consider adding him to that roster. If you've got that bottom of rung, you know, wide receiver you could drop or somebody right. else or that second defense that you don't want, go get that other quarterback, because if you lose your quarterback or not, like, this is a different kind of situation. This is a different kind of playoffs this year. You have to be more proactive. You have to think ahead and you have to actually plan for disasters and the worst. And, and I think Fitzpatrick's the other guy that I think is going to get more play. I really do. I think if they win against Cincinnati, with that schedule over to two again. Uh, Trey Burton has been okay. This is another guy at tight end that tight end has been absolutely rough. You see Mark Andrews on the COVID list. If you need a streaming tight end, I think him and I think Chris Herndon, now that uh, we have uh, Sam Darnold back, he tends to favor Herndon a little bit. He had a decent game this past week, despite the lack of points from the New York Jets. I think, again, we're looking at streamers at tight end and we're looking at quarterbacks where you're projecting just a tad and saying, okay, maybe it's smart to add this guy now because he's just sitting out there on the waiver wire, and God forbid I lose my quarterback at some point in the next couple of weeks before the playoffs start. At least I have somebody who is a viable, legitimate uh, fantasy starter, and I think Cousins is the way he's playing right now.
1: Yeah, and, and I would ask you this on on top of that. I, I know I'm in the minority here, but I, I go through this every year, and I've, I've had this conversation. But I understand making moves right now and making moves either, even after this week for the playoffs. I'm probably in the minority but, Joe, I, I don't think that in the fantasy playoffs that you should be able to make moves. I really don't. I, and I, I understand agree. that the notion is there to, to be able to pick players up and and not. But I I hate to see when basically somebody picks someone up in a week 14 scenario for a team, let's call it Jacksonville, mm-hmm. let's call it Carolina, or, or some other team, and they end up winning a fantasy championship for you and you haven't had them on your roster the entire season. I know that a lot of leagues allow transactions. In the home league that I've played in for thirty years, we don't. It's 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 basically you set your playoff roster and and whoever you have, just make sure you, you sign enough guys to make sure that you have uh-huh. it. This year, I may feel a little bit differently about it because of COVID. So I kind of get fair. it. But in general, for me, I don't like it. I don't like the idea that I you think can this pick year Jamal for COVID, million, two years ago,
2: right? I think this year for COVID, you're you're right. I think you kind of have to let people do it because you could lose an entire. You know, two teams could be out, (laughs) you could lose everybody and you don't want to not be able to put out that roster, but I'll throw out a name from the past for you. Brett Oberholzer. Okay. That guy had a two start week one time for me, (laughs) right? Against me, uh, Houston Mm -hmm. Astros, right? And he threw a shutout yep. one game and another and and I ended up I had the best record in my baseball league and I lost because that guy was streaming him and I thought to myself well in baseball with the two start week streaming that's just not fair that's not something you want to do in head-to-head leagues your roster is your roster and I agree with you for the most part I think this is correct I think when you get to playoffs unless you cannot feel the team and you can have a special waiver wire run for someone who legitimately has no tight end uh, at a certain point and their backup tight end got hurt or whatever situation is but i'm kind of with you i think Waiver should stop when the playoffs begin because that's the best rosters going out there and shouldn't it shouldn't be a streaming situation i don't think that decides championships i agree with you 100 percent.
1: yeah, yeah. And, and i wish more leagues did that but unfortunately they don't it did work to my advantage a couple of years ago picking up williams jamal williams on the packers but right i, I just think that you go into the season and you go into the playoffs with the team that got you there. If you have a player on COVID, yes, you should be able to pick somebody up and replace them. But beyond that, I, I don't I don't think so. All right, let's take a look at the running backs for week 13. Wow, can I actually use Cam Akers this week? Wow, okay, maybe 26% own. Devontae Booker at 9% after the week that, that Jacobs had last week. I suppose some people are considering him. Frank Gore is back on the map again, had a 15-carry day. Alexander Madison, thirty-two percent owned. It looks like Cook's going to be okay, but but his name has popped up again. Hyde at thirty-eight percent. Benny Snell at thirty-four percent. That is strictly if Connor doesn't play. You know, Smith actually looked pretty good, only one percent owned, and Wilkins at seventeen percent. But I suppose it looks like Jonathan taylor's probably going to play this week, so I'm not sure what kind of a factor mm. he would be. So, of all these names, is is anchor the guy again? I mean, would you trust playing him, Joe? I, and there's uh, Carolina and Tampa Bay are off. So if you have Ronald Jones or Mike Davis, I suppose Akers is an option, but
2: I am scared <laughs> to start this you guy. You should be.
1: In, in a, <laughs> high week. Yeah,
2: scared. You should be scared. Look, the good news is he's got two touchdowns in the last two games. So he's getting goal line carries. The good news is in the second half of games is when he's getting more work too, which is setting him up for success. So even though... The carry volume might be limited. He's getting some really good productivity and efficiency numbers because he's coming in kind of after the guys kind of set up for a little while. So he's got the fresh legs when the defenses are tired. Now, I don't know if that trend's going to continue. But at least in the interim, I think this is an important pickup because you want to block another team from getting him. Because what if this guy does show up and get 20 carries now this right. week? What if he becomes the Miles Sanders or the Devin Singletary of 2020? Just like in 2019, those guys, all of a sudden, once you hit double digits, once you hit Week 10, those guys just exploded and people ran them into fantasy championships. I think you have to be proactive. It was I was kind of shocking to think that he was basically available in three quarters of leagues. I thought that was yeah. shocking after the last two weeks, but that is the number right now because like you're saying, people are still afraid. I think they're gonna be less afraid this week. I think that number is going to jump way over 50, but that would be the guy for sure. me. And I think in terms of streamer too, there's no reason to to not at least pick up Devonte Booker because you don't really need theoretically Jacobs to play against the jets. Okay. And I know that's kind of sounds condescending and If I sound condescending, it's because I'm not being condescending. You don't need Jacobs to play against the Jets. You can win that game probably with Booker playing. And if so, that becomes a fascinating streaming option. And again, blocking somebody else from getting him because that's a guy that could put up double-digit points. So I think you look at it that way. I think if you have Carlos Hyde available too, and you're the Carson owner, now is the time to grab him. I would have him on that roster with Carson without a doubt. So this is the proactive waiver wire week here as we kind yeah. of set up into the playoffs. And I think those are the names to really be looking and you're right. Wilkins was only a, a streamer. If again, Taylor wasn't available, great matchup against Houston. But at the same time, if Taylor's back, you have to imagine him and Hines are probably going to get the most you never know. But I think that's the way you target it. But Akers, I think is a must add, even if you're a playoff team, even if you have no uh, possible spot for him to start him. I would add him sure. regardless because he's the freshest he was the guy coming out of the gate that everybody was highest on he had some injuries it's taken him a while we are here he's getting integrated into the offense and the rams look for better or worse they have been using him in the right spots for the last two weeks and if they keep doing that and then give him more he becomes a very intriguing player over the last month of the season
1: yeah and uh, wouldn't you start Edo smith if
2: gurley's out If Gurley's out, I would. You know it looked very strong. And you know what? The Saints defense has played better. But here's the thing, you know, and and I can't wait. And I'll probably ask Andrew Erickson about this tomorrow. Is this Taysom Hill effect now? Because we had that one game against the Falcons, right? Where he looked pretty good and by the second half he was throwing the ball a little better. And then you had a game last week where he wasn't throwing the ball at all. And I think there's some questions here when you have to face a team twice in a three-week period. Okay, what kind of adjustments have they made to you now? And you saw that Atlanta front be very aggressive last week uh against the las vegas raiders and i'm kind of curious to see how that shakes out because i think that might be some little bit more play there for atlanta and maybe ito smith gives them a different vibe they didn't have two weeks ago with currently and i think that is something to really yeah. look at strongly
1: yeah i mean look i've i've been off Gurley for a long time know, yeah. and and out of nowhere the guy just is out last week i mean it's 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 to me it's one of the sadder uh, great player stories in the nfl i mean I, I don't know that he even plays next year i mean honestly i think i think he's completely done but all right a waiver wire for wide receiver good to see my guy ty hilton back from south florida from uh, fiu i was happy to see him do anything honestly and definitely back <laughs> on the map again in 2020 kiki kuti i've been down that road with him several times i'm out uh colin johnson i mentioned on Monday show in watching that game against cleveland because that was one our lone loss and so when the super contest games i tend to watch a lot closer to make sure that we were on the right side even though that we lost cleveland was it was just a bad call at the end of the game colin johnson i think is going to be serviceable i think that he is something interesting for me gabriel davis really is not he's 26 percent owned and um if brown plays i don't see him a factor but I got to tell you, I don't know that I could stomach starting Colin Johnson this week, Joe, but he's a name for next year that I'm going to keep an eye on Jacksonville, see who they if they end up with a new quarterback, see what their wide receivers end up, because he's not going to outrun you, but he could definitely be a slot or wide receiver too, and he catches everything thrown his way. I think he's better than Conley as, as well, so just a name for me for next year, I think.
2: Yeah, I don't know if any of these guys are really helpful. I think these are all desperation pickups at wide receiver and really this is for the people who just lost Will Fuller. It's like, okay, where can you go? TY Hilton, yeah, probably on paper, that's probably where you would want to go. I mean, he's still available in almost 60% of leagues. That's something to consider. Um QT is just a volume play, a low end one, and I've seen enough QT also. The guy's a drop machine. He's gotten opportunities before. This is kind of his last opportunity to shine. We'll see if he does, but I wouldn't be holding my breath for it, but if you're desperate, this is what you got to do. Colin Johnson, I don't know how much he's going to play this week if Shark is back, and that's the thing. It looks like Shark's going to be back this week, and if so, it's going to limit I his opportunities. But I yeah. I know you don't trust him, but he hasn't been healthy all year, and I think you – That's what speculatively, I'm saying. <laughs> In deeper leagues, you can speculatively add Colin Johnson. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. You'll probably get him for a buck. Like he's not going to cost you 10 bucks to add because I don't think anybody really even noticed last week what he did and Jacksonville is another fascinating situation going into next year because you can pick your quarterback if you're the head coach or GM or whatever you are next year Mm -hmm. you have James Robinson a young running back who came out of nowhere who looks great that you're not paying a red cent to we'll see if he holds out for a contract I don't know. But you've got shark. You've got Chenault, You've got Colin Johnson. You've got Keelan Cole. You've got some weapons. If you put an offensive line and a bright young shining quarterback where you're probably going to have the number two overall pick the Jacksonville Jaguars could turn things around a lot faster than people realize. There are a lot of attractive spots here for a coach or end or GM to come in. And fix a lot of things. You have the Cowboy spot to come in with Dak Prescott and all those weapons, and the Dallas Cowboy moniker. You've got the New York Jets. You're probably going to get Trevor Lawrence and start anew. You've got the Jacksonville Jaguar job. You've got the job with Detroit where you're going to have Matthew McCartney's Stafford, gone? a veteran quarterback. Oh, I definitely think he's gone. I think he's yeah, one and so. done. You lose yeah, maybe, that game again, maybe. miserably. Though. I'm sorry, you're done.
1: Yeah. I mean, look, you may be right. I, I don't see it the same way in Jacksonville as you do. I, th- I think they're years away. Uh, Carolina, I think, is, is a lot closer. I just I just I don't see Jack. I see Jacksonville's a good spot. I just I think they're behind a lot of the other. teams. OK, fantasy trivia. Here's where I get things wrong. Next Our headlines are coming up and are updated at the top of the hour with everything going on in sports, just a few hours away from the final NFL game of week 12 Steelers and Ravens still appears to be on for later today. Okay. <laughs> let's end this hour with some fantasy trivia, the gift that keeps on giving Joe,
2: what do we got for today? I love it. We're just continuously checking up on that game every five minutes, just to be sure that it's still going to happen. Well, uh, there were some huge performances in week 12 in, ter- in terms of yards per reception, but With a minimum of 50 reception, who is the best of the best in 2020 in that category? We're talking the wide receivers with the deep ball threat. And A, is it Tyreek Hill? Is it B, DJ Moore? Is it C, rookie Justin Jefferson or second-year stud DK Metcalf D? I gave you four options here. (laughs) Big names on this list, all very worthy. So do you have an answer?
1: Okay. Well, I'm going to deduce here. So I'm going to say A and D are too obvious because it feels like it should be one of those. Uh, I think that the little carrot you're throwing out there is Justin Jefferson because you want me to think that that's the right answer. But I'm going to say it's B, DJ Moore.
3: You
2: are correct. It is DJ Moore. Well done. Craig Mitch does it again. He's on fire the last two weeks. I've got two out of the last ten. uh, I know that's way better than the first ten. Uh, but yes, uh, I mean, it is DJ Moore, months. and and the funny thing about DJ Moore's season is you would not think to put him in the same conversation with any of these guys right now with the way no, they're playing. Wouldn't. But he he is indeed there, and he's made a huge turnaround in the last six weeks. The first few weeks of the season, it was all about Robbie Anderson. Right now, defenses have made that adjustment. And Carolina has noticed. And what have they done? They've gone back to D.J. Moore, who's getting more single coverage. And D.J. Moore, look, one of my favorite receivers going into last year, Matt Francisco, which is in the Black Book, wrote a glowing review of him. And if you draft him last year, you got great return in PPR leagues. But the knock is he still doesn't score a lot of touchdowns. And he's still got four touchdowns this year already matching his mark from last year. And I'm just saying, don't forget about D.J. Moore, still a very good receiver. And don't forget about Henry Ruggs. By The way too, he's only got 17 receptions, but Henry Ruggs is number two overall in this category, so it's a guy to keep an eye on for next year.
1: This is how I got over a thousand on the SAT test deductive reason. guess you guys can do it too. Tell your kids, about the SAT. Just listen to me. Hour two next, don't go away.